following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Christian Life Austin, I am fired up to be here with you this morning, and I get the honor to speak to you in the third sermon of this series. Now, the first sermon was amazing. It was Pastor Brad. He talked to us about discovering your purpose, about serving others. The second service, Pastor Rex preached an incredible message. He did what only he can do about choosing joy. And the third service, which I get to speak, is all about swimming. Hey, this is what happens when you give the young adult pastor the mic on a Sunday. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter number five, and let's stand for the reading of the word. And while you're turning there, let me just say what an honor it is to be connected to the vision of this house. Here's what I've learned in ministry that that people will, will give to vision. They will die for vision. They will go all in for vision. And I just have to say that I am so honored and fired up and I believe in the vision of this house and the vision of our senior leader, Pastor Rex. And I am fired up about where this thing is going. And just one more thing, I didn't do it in the first two services, but I got to give a shout out to my brother and his family who drove all the way from Austin to be here. I'm sorry, Houston, they're from Houston. It wouldn't be a really far drive if they were from Austin. Yeah. Now my mom is gonna be really mad at me because she was in the second service and I didn't give her a shout out. So if you guys just wanna put your hands together for my mom for, I need the brownie points. John chapter number five, and we're gonna read eight scriptures and then jump down to verse 14. After Jesus returned to Jerusalem, one of the Jewish holidays inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches crowds of sick people blind lame or paralyzed lay on the porches one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years when Jesus saw him and he knew that he had been ill for a long time he asked him Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man replied, for I have no one to put me into the water, into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus says, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Let's skip down to verse 14. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Jesus, in your name, we are so thankful for the opportunity to learn more about you. But Jesus, our prayer here this morning is that you would open up our hearts, open up our minds to what you want to do 
in us, Jesus. And we just thank you for what you've done already today and what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Hey, there is nothing more summertime than swimming. And while I think we can all agree on that statement, there's nothing more summertime than swimming, there is nobody that loves to swim more than this guy. I love to swim. I've loved to swim my entire life. I, I really enjoy swimming, and I've got some pretty big goals in my life, but I would say probably the biggest goal in my life right now is to just simply have a house with a pool. I, I think it's rooted in the fact that I begged my dad my entire life to have a house with a pool and he gave me a trampoline. <laughs> but I've always loved to swim. In fact, I'm the guy that when we go on family vacation, I'm the guy that's in the pool with the kids. All the adults are laying around the pool trying to get a tan. I'm in the water because I just simply believe that if you want to just lay out and get some sun, you can do it in the Texas heat in your backyard. You don't have to pay thousands of dollars to go to Mexico. So if I'm going to be in Mexico, I'm going to do some swimming. I feel bad for my wife. I'm also the guy that when we go to a party that there is a pool involved. I'm not the mature husband standing around talking about my 401k and business and, and politics. I am in the pool with the kids. I've, I've always loved to swim, but I do have some limitations and some boundaries on where I do my swimming. I like to do swimming in controlled environments. In other words, I don't, I don't really like to swim in the ocean. So maybe there's some people in the house you like to swim in the ocean. That's okay. Before you do it again, let me just remind you, swimming in the ocean is like this. It would be like walking into a neighborhood here around Westgate and seeing a, a home that you like and opening the door and walking in uninvited and perusing and rummaging through the fridge and, and walking around because that's what you're doing in the ocean in the house of a shark. You are not invited into their home. Have you seen any shark attacks on YouTube? They're not happy that you're there and you didn't get an invite. So the next time you go swimming in the ocean, just know that you are not invited. I, I dominate on top of the water, okay? That's just you know where I belong, on top of the water in the ocean. But a pool is a different story. I've always loved to swim. And one of the things that I love to do when I'm swimming in a pool is to play some games because, you know, swimming is just not enough. When I was growing up, we, we loved to play the game where you could throw something into the deep end of the pool and all the kids would, would dive in to see who could grab that object first. It was very safe for like four kids down at the bottom of the pool, just wrestling around. It was very safe, but that, that, that was a fun game that we like to play. Or there was the game that if there was a roof close by to the pool, you know, you would see who could do the best jump off the roof into the pool and see who could make the biggest splash. Maturity was not a strong point uh, in my life. But I've always loved to swim. And, and then there's the game that is the, the, the game that was a fan favorite of my group of friends. We love to play pool Volleyball. You know how there's Mr. October for baseball. They used to call me Mr. July for pool volleyball. It was just, uh, I, I love to play 
pool volleyball, but, but no matter what game we play, no matter what game that we were involved with in this pool session, it would always end with this one game that was simply called this. It was called Marco. You know what I'm talking about. Marco Polo is the game where you have one person who has their eyes closed and they swim around and they have to use this echo bat location, you know, thing where they call out Marco and then everyone else has to say Polo and based on, you know, who has said Polo and how loud you can determine where you should swim next to see if you can get someone that is swimming around. But, you know, when you're playing a game like this, there's always people that are going to cheat. You know, you always got the cheaters in the group and they're not in the pool. They're walking around the pool and they can see this guy swimming and they're like saying stuff to him. And, but they're not in the pool. But you could yell out Marco, they would say Polo, and you'd be like, you know what? I just have this sneaky suspicion that someone is not where they're supposed to be, that someone is not in the water. So then you had a tool at your disposal and you could yell out. We'll try that again. You could yell out, fish out of water. And they were Marco. They Oh man, they were so Marco. But I'm so thankful here this morning that as fun as Marco Polo was, I'm so thankful that when I was spiritually dead, that when I was not where I was supposed to be, when I was a spiritual fish out of water, when I was lost hoping that someone would find me where I was at, that Jesus found me that Jesus went looking for me and I'm here today not because of who I am or not because of what I have done, but I am here today because Jesus went fishing for a fish that was out of water. And here we find in John chapter number five, this guy sitting by a pool. In fact, this isn't just a regular old pool. This is the pool of Bethesda. And there's this idea that when the water was stirred, that someone could get their healing, that someone could get what they needed, that someone could get what they had been hoping for, what they just believed was going to change everything about their life. But isn't that what, look, isn't that what living for temporal things always looks like? That you just missed it. That, that you just missed being the richest guy. That, that you just miss being the strongest guy, that you just miss being the best looking, you just miss that relationship, you miss, just miss that job, you just miss that thing that you thought was going to bring you fulfillment. But here's this guy lying here, and he's not in the pool, but he desperately wants to be in the pool. In his mind, if he could just be a fish in the water and not a fish out of the water, then all of his problems would be solved. This guy whose life is full of difficulty, full of misery, and he's expecting to be helped by this whole water thing, and along comes Jesus, the, the one who came to seek and to save that which was lost, the one who came to bring living water to dry and thirsty souls. Here comes Jesus, the friend of sinners. Here's Jesus, God himself, God robed in the flesh that came to redeem, to heal, to deliver, and to set free. Here comes Jesus to a fish that's out of water, to a man that needs what Jesus is offering 
What is Jesus going to do to reach this guy who thinks that he needs to be in this pool to get what he needs? But this is what Jesus is going to do. He's going to go fishing for a fish that's out of water. Hey, and during this summertime season, this is what he has called each and every one of us to do. He's called us to do the same exact thing. Matthew 4, 19 said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Ironically, the fish that need to be caught are not in water, but it's the water that they need. It's the heavenly H2O. And our mission this morning is a mission to go fishing, a, a mission to bring heaven to earth, a mission to bring Jesus to those that are in need. That we would always be on mission, that we would always be on point, that we would always be living on purpose, looking to see people that are out of the water, but they need the living water in their life. Because it's not the pool of Bethesda that they need, it's not the thing that they've been hoping for, but what they really need is the power of the Holy Spirit. Point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, is simply this, summertime is the time to get better. Here is a guy who desperately wants to be better. Or, or does he? When, when Jesus shows up, he asks him a simple question. Do you want to be made well? At first glance, it seems a little rude, Jesus. Um, it's not very nice. It's kind of like when I'm laying on the couch pretending to be sick so I don't have to take care of the kids and my wife shows up and is like, but are you really sick? It's, it's kind of rude, it's a little jacked up, Jesus. It seems a bit insensitive. But the truth is, this is the place where all of us have to start when there is dysfunction, when there is sin, when there is something unhealthy in our lives. Every single one of us have to start with this same question, do you want to be made well? Because the truth is not everyone down wants to get up. And I promise you this morning that you will never experience something new in life or in God while you're comfortable where you're at. As long as you are comfortable where you are, you will never experience what God has for you. But Jesus asked him this question knowing these two key facts. Look, look, look at the verse. You can go back and see it. He sees that he's been laying there but laying there distinct from a reason, distinct from paralysis. In other words, he can move. Jesus knows that he's been laying there and he also knows that he's been laying there for a really long time. And so knowing these two key facts, he asks him a question, a question not of ability, but of desire. And it seems as though in this story, this man had grown comfortable where he was at. Maybe apathy had set in, maybe despair had set in. After 38 years, maybe he had completely given up. Maybe he just felt like no matter what he did, no, no matter what decision he made, no matter what he tried to do, that he was going to stay in the same spot where he had been for 38 years. And so many times this morning in our own lives, we tolerate dysfunction, we tolerate unhealthiness, we tolerate sin so long that we don't even notice it anymore. So many times there are things in our life and we just accept the way it's going to be. We accept that this is the way that it's always going to be. We accept the marriage that we have right now and not the marriage that God has called us to have. 
We, we accept the finances that we have right now, not the finances that God has called us to have. We accept that it will always be this way. But can I tell you here this morning, can I take a moment to remind you that we can't fail to stop fighting? that we have to make a decision. We have to decide for ourselves that we will fight, that we will fight for our families, that we will fight for our friends, that we will fight for ourselves. There, there, there has to be something that rises up in our soul that says we will keep going, that says we won't give up, that says we will keep dreaming, that we will keep hoping, that we will keep believing that God is for me. And if he's for me, then he's with me. The Bible says the race is not to the swiftest. It's not to the person who starts out the best, but the Bible says the race is literally to the person who doesn't quit. The, the person that endures, like Caleb said in the Old Testament, give me this mountain. We are going to move forward and wherever we set our foot, God is going to prosper us. But I wonder here this morning, if in your soul during the summertime season, you've stopped fighting. I wonder if you just accepted the marriage that you have and not the one that God has called you to have. I wonder if you've accepted the finances that you have and not the finances that God has called you to have. I wonder if you just accept that this is the way that it's always going to be. Can I tell you here this morning, the easiest way to get comfortable and be in a place where you were never supposed to be is simply doing life with the wrong people. This man in this story is surrounded only by sickness. He chose to live in a spot where people only camped out based on their infirmities. So here's my question to you this morning. How can you ever get well if all you do is hang out with sick people? If all you're surrounded by is blindness, how are you ever going to see? If all you're surrounded by is arrogance, how are you ever going to get to humility? If all you're surrounded by is people who gossip and are negative and judgmental and, and are life takers, how are you ever going to be a life giver? How are you ever going to live the life of an overcomer? But I want to tell you here this morning, you cannot escape those who you do life with. Point number two is this, summertime is the time to accept responsibility. As long as you shift the blame, you will remain the same. So, so again, Jesus asked him this simple question, do you or do you not want to be made well. Now, I'm not a genius, but I feel like this is a very simple question. It's yes or no. It's kind of like when my, I asked my kids, did you eat all of my Halloween candy? But dad, I didn't, we had, I don't, no, this is a yes or no question. I need to know, did you eat my Halloween candy? Jesus says, do you want to be made well? But sir, I have no one to help me. Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And his answer is such a humanity answer. Isn't this all of us when Jesus shows up into our lives? Do you want to be made well? Do, do you know how unfair my life has been, Jesus? Do you want to be made well? Do you know how I've been passed over at work? Do you want to be made well? But Jesus, do you know what happened to me as a kid? 
And we all do this, we play the blame game, but the problem with the blame game is that what you are saying is probably true. What, what you're saying is probably true, but that just prevents God doing what he wants to do inside of you because while you're busy blaming people, here's what you're not doing, moving forward, moving forward into growth, moving forward into maturity, moving forward into a better relationship with Jesus. Let me take a moment right here though to be sensitive. I, I, I lost my dad at a time in my life when I needed him the most. And I'm not here to say that the things in your life didn't happen. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you didn't even have a dad. Maybe something happened to you as a kid that nobody knows about. And maybe your social economic background isn't the best. And maybe this happened and maybe that happened. I'm not here to say that those things didn't happen. We can't pretend that life doesn't happen. But here's what we have to do. We have to acknowledge it, but we can't stay there. As long as you're assigning your current behavior to what has happened to you, you're allowing it to rob your future. And that's the problem with justifications and excuses. I am this way because of that. And if they hadn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done that. And I'm this way because of what they did to me. And I wouldn't be so angry and I wouldn't be so unkind and I wouldn't be so bitter and you would be too if it happened to you. Can I tell you here this morning, Quit letting your progress be in the hands of other people. Oh, come on. At, at some point, you, you can't be a victim and a victor at the same time. You can't be a warrior and hang on to your wounds at the same time. At some point, you have to make a decision. But you can't do both. Or you can keep blaming people. And 38 years from now, you'll be exactly where you are today. But this is where the story turns. Point number three is this. Summertime is the time to do the impossible. This man was given an unbelievably impossible task. Rise. Get up. Um, if I'm this guy, I'm like, Jesus, if it would have been that easy, don't you think I would have done it a really long time ago? But, but when Jesus shows up in our life, doesn't he just have a knack for asking us to do the impossible? Doesn't he just have a knack for asking us to do things that can be overwhelming and daunting? But I'm so fired up here this morning to tell you this, what Jesus calls you to, he gives you the strength to do. I, I'm fired, to, fired up to tell you that, that his calling, his command is always his enabling. Ephesians 4 and 7 says this, to each one grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, God will never call you to do something without giving you the grace to power the gift. He always gives us the strength. He always gives us the wisdom. He always gives us the grace. He always gives us the power. He always gives us what we need to do what he has called us to do. Hey, and that's why he sent us the Holy Spirit so that we could fill, fulfill this amazing, unbelievable task, the Great Commission. He, he, in fact, he said it's better that I go away because something better is coming because you're going to need the help that I'm going to give you to do the impossible. And that's why he said, Terry, until you receive power, like the dove that came down from heaven, like the fire that fell on the day of Pentecost, he gives us the power, he gives us the strength to live out the impossible. So to this man, he simply says, get up. 
He doesn't qualify it. He doesn't quantify it. He just simply says, get up. Enough lying there, enough laying there, enough shifting the blame. It is time to rise up. It is time to get up. It is time to move up. It is time to live a different story. And as this man begins to get up, his atrophied body came to life. Hey, look, anything in your life that you're being called to do by God can seem impossible. But I promise as you take the next step, as you step out in faith, oh, come on this morning, don't quantify it. Don't qualify it. Just step out and obey. And as you step out, you'll be like, where did that, where did that come from? Where did that money come from? Where did that encouragement come from? Where did that help come from? All of a sudden, as you take a step, he powers the next step. Hey, this morning I am dreaming big dreams and it's not for a house with a pool. I'm dreaming for God to do some big things in my life that the only way that it works out, that it's done by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just believe there's some people that are in this room. You've got some impossible dreams. You've got some impossible hopes. You've got some impossible tasks. But I tell you this morning, you might not understand it. It might not make sense, but you take a step. You take that step that God is calling you to take and he's going to power the next step. Hey, hey, he says in his word that he is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Here's what that means. You won't know what the next step is until you take the first step. And when you take the next step, then you'll see the next step. And you, but if you don't take the next step, you'll never see the next step. And as soon as you take a next step, you'll look back on your entire life and you'll see that God was with you every step of the way, that he never left you. His hand of provision was leading you. He was with you. The powers was with you. The strength was with you to overcome anything that came into your life. Woo! Take a step. Take a step. Point number four is simply this. Summertime is the time for freedom. God always sets us free in salvation. God always moves us toward more freedom, towards more liberty, towards more hope. But, but religion is the opposite. Religion is just our efforts to get to him and it always moves us toward more bondage. Sin is the opposite. It, it, it separates us and it always moves us toward more bondage. But Jesus shows up and he brings freedom. He brings liberty. He, he takes us from strength to strength and from grace to grace. But Jesus shows up into this man's life in verse 14 and he says, I, I see you've been made well. That's good. Stop sinning, bro. <laughs> this is the truth here. What you do with your freedom, what you do with your liberty can lead you back to captivity. Now, now you might be wondering exactly what did this guy do? I know I am and I, you know, I don't necessarily want to know, but I need to know because I need to know how I should pray for him. Um, that's just for all the gossipers in the house. No big deal. But Jesus said, don't go, don't go back. Don't go back to the same thing. Don't go back to the thing that got you into this mess in the first place. 
You know, the most awkward thing in life is this, is having a really great long conversation, ending the conversation, saying goodbye, and then getting on an elevator with the same exact person. I don't know what to say. And so many of us, we get mercy. We leave our old life behind. We leave our sin behind. We leave our mistakes behind. We get a way of escape. We get an out. We get some grace. We get some mercy. And then we turn around and somehow life has put us on the same elevator with that same mess. With that same brokenness. With the same pain. And this is the reason why. Because your breakthrough didn't get a follow through. We, we just thought that the miracle was the stopping point. Plot twist, it's the starting point. Hey, God has given me three amazing miracles. Their names are Brady, Dean, and Houston, my three boys. And I love them. But I remember the day that they showed up and it's a miracle. If you have ever been in the room, it's a miracle. That's all I'm going to say. But what if the day that I got my miracle, I got my Brady, I got my Dean, I got my Houston Wayne, they hold up the baby, you cut the umbilical cord, it's a wild experience, I'm just telling you. And they, they wrap that baby up, they clean them all up, they hand them to me, here's your miracle, here's your baby. I'm like, I got my Houston Wayne, I'm out. I got my miracle, I'm done. No, no, that's when the work is getting started. There's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of diaper changes. There's a lot of bottle feedings. I didn't know that when my miracle shirt showed up that the work showed up with it. Some of you that are new to God and to his house, I, I wanna tell you here this morning that, that you need to take care of your miracle. You need to protect that miracle. You need to protect what God is doing and what he has done in your life. You need to keep that miracle in the right environment. Shameless plug right now. I've preached this entire message for this one moment. I'm gonna give you the tools to do that right now. Are you ready? When small group semester starts, join a freedom group. I know, I know there's some of you here, you're not clapping, you're like, I, don't, I should be clapping, I don't know what that is, but it sounds great. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what it is. Freedom is a 13-week small group semester where groups gather to discuss the freedom curriculum which is designed to equip you to live the victorious and abundant life Christ died to give you. Freedom groups build on the foundation of your faith in Christ to help you embrace the truth of God's word as it relates to your worldview, your past, your sin, your personal value to God, and your purpose in his kingdom. Freedom will help you remove every obstacle and walk in true freedom. That is completely my words and not from the website at all. I'm just kidding, I figured the website would do it a lot better. I, I, I'm standing here today as a living testimony of this curriculum and this freedom weekend and what it did in my life. I'm a believer because I, I know I've had a lot of breakthroughs in my life, but, but all the breakthroughs didn't have follow-throughs and I needed freedom in my life. So don't let your breakthrough, don't let your miracle stop there. Follow through with it. Let God change your heart. Let him change your mind. Let, your, let, let him watch your miracle grow up right in front of you. 
join a freedom group. Shameless plug is over. Point number five is this. Summertime is the time to tell your story. What, what you're cured from, you get to carry. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Okay, so let's, let's do this real fast. Rise is point number one. Take up your bed is point number two. Walk is point number three. I understand point number one and point number three. I don't necessarily understand point number two. It's kind of like when my wife is going to critique this sermon afterwards. I understood point one and point three. Two is no good. Let's get rid of that. That was, that was just a joke. But I understand one and three. I don't understand why, why he has to take up his bed. Why does he have to pick up the thing that he's supposed to leave behind? The, the, that bed is nasty. He's been in that for 38 years. Hey, I was a bachelor, okay? I didn't wash my sheets. I just bought new ones. That's gross. He's been there for 38 years. Hey, for all the single guys out here, let me just tell you, one of the best things about being married is that my wife changes the sheets like every other day. It's amazing. When I lay down in bed, I'm like, this is why I got married. It's so nice. The trade-off is there's like 20 pillows that you have to take off the bed, but every rose has its thorns. But why does this guy have to bring his bed with him? And I just believe the reason why is because as he walks, he now has a story to tell. Hey man, what's, uh, why are you carrying a bed around? What are you doing? Well, for 38 years, I, I was laying by this pool and I couldn't get up and then Jesus showed up into my life. I was a fish out of water, but then Jesus brought the water to me and I was, I was stuck in my mess and my dysfunction, but Jesus showed up. He said, do you want to be made well? And I gave an excuse, but he wouldn't let me. He said, get up. So I just get up and now I've got a story to tell. And if you can, if you can see what's happened in my life, guess what? You can overcome it too. I believe this with all of my heart. Every single person has a story to tell. You, you ever hear someone tell a story and it's very impressive, but they are telling it like they are very unimpressed with themselves. Like, like, dude, you lifted up that car with both hands over your head and they're like, ah, that's no big deal. I just had a Red Bull. Like, no, there's no, I'm just super strong all the time. I, I think that's so many times what we do with our story. We think that people don't care about our story and they don't want to hear our story. They, we, we might think that people don't want to hear our mess, but here's what happens when you begin to tell your story. It brings hope to someone else. It brings life to someone else. What, your, your marriage was messed up? You guys look perfect. You, your marriage was on the right. How, how, how did you make it to this moment? Well, you know, it's crazy that you're telling me this story right now because I don't know how I'm going to get through this situation. I don't know how my marriage is going to make it through this, but if, if you could make it through all of that, you know what? I think I can make it too. You, your finances were that messed up? You couldn't, you couldn't pay your bills? What, how are you living such a successful life right now? How did you, how did you do it? Well, you know what? If you can do it, 
then I know that I can do it. And that's what happens when you begin to tell your story. Someone else in the same mess realizes, you know what, I can make it. It's not time for me to quit. It's not time for me to get up. And you can tell someone, before Jesus, I was stuck. Before Jesus, I was lost. I didn't know my way, but now I get to pick up my bed and walk. I have a story to tell. Here's what you need to know here this morning. What may be painful today, and I know there's some pain in the room, but what may be painful today may be your ministry assignment tomorrow. Jesus doesn't have your cure. He is your cure. And your story might not be the same as someone else's. It not, might not be as cool or sound as good. But I want to tell you here this morning, Jesus does all things well. And you hold up what you have in your hand. And you tell someone your story. And as you tell your story, Jesus is going to be lifted up. Let's all stand. Hey, Brady. Can you come up here, buddy? Thanks, bro. This is my buddy. Y'all want to give it up for Brady? This is my dude. This is one of my miracles. Here's the crazy thing about Brady. Brady is an amazing baseball player. That's right, that's right. We're praying for retirement, amen. You can, you can go on my Instagram and you can see since he's been two and a half years old, he's been hitting overhand fastballs. It's true, it's a true story. In fact, when he was two, this is crazy, my wife was not happy with me, but I just wanted to see what this kid was capable of, I took him to a batting cages, like hard fastballs, and he was hitting them at two. Okay, I feel like it's the opposite of the unimpressed story. I don't think y'all are impressed. But this is my buddy, and he's, he's not normally shy. But since we moved to Austin, we don't get to play baseball near as much. And, uh, but we love to do it. We love to go hit bombs. We went yesterday and he hit some bombs. But just the other day, we went to play and his little brother, Dean, and he's starting to hit the ball too. He hits off the tee while I'm pitching to Brady. And the other day, we were, we were having a tough day. We, you know, we weren't hitting the ball. I'm sure it wasn't the pitcher's fault, okay? I know it wasn't the pitcher's fault, okay? So like any dad would do, I was encouraging him to, to do better, to hit the ball harder. I think I might have asked him if he still wanted to continue to play baseball if he wasn't going to hit home runs, you know. I know, you're judging me right now. It's okay. And it was a good day. We, we had some good hits, and I wasn't thinking much about it. I just know I had encouraged him to hit the ball a little bit better. And then his little brother, Dean, was hitting the ball off the tee. He was crushing it, man. I was, I was, whew, I was impressed. And we were walking to the car, and I remember I had told Dean... I said, Dean, I'm so proud of you, buddy. Man, you hit some good home runs. And I was putting the stuff in the car and I just heard my name and this guy said, Dad? And I just kept doing what I was doing. I said, yeah, dude, what's up? And he said, are you proud of me? And that's exactly what happened to my heart. <laughs> Completely melted. And I looked back at him. He was almost in tears and I was just a puddle and 
I got down on a knee and I said, Brady, I'll always be proud of you. And in fact, it doesn't matter if you ever hit a baseball again. You're my son and I love you and you don't have to prove yourself to me. You're the best. And so, in fact, you know what? Brady, I love you. And you don't have to hit another home run. But I would love it if you did, because I really need to retire. I love you. Give it up for Brady. I think so many times in our lives when we are like the man at the pool of Bethesda, we feel like we've wasted so much time. We look back on our life and we think, what have I done that should God be proud of? And we see people passing us by. We see life moving forward. And, and we see, as you know, so many times as a church, we can celebrate people that do good things, and we should. But we know that we're stuck in our mess. We know that we're stuck in our pain. And our question in our heart is, Jesus, are you, are you proud of me? And I just think this morning that Jesus' answer is the exact same answer as my answer to Brady. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you've wasted 38 years. I'm proud of you and I love you. And it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. And you are a child. You are a son. You are a daughter. You have value. And maybe you've been sitting on the side of life. You've been sitting by the pool hoping to be in the action. I want to tell you here this morning, Jesus came to ask you this question. Do you just want to be better? Do you want to be made well? And if your answer is yes, all across this building, let's just close our eyes and bow our heads, Jesus, right now for every person that is in this room, that their answer to you is yes, I want to be better. There's some mess in my life. There's some dysfunction in my life, but I know I'm tired of making excuses. I turn my life over to you and I say, have your way. Jesus, for every person that is praying that prayer right now, I just pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that they would feel that help coming in their life, that you sent help so that they could do the impossible. Leaving that habit, leaving that mess feels impossible. But Jesus, you give us the strength, you give us the power, you give us the wisdom, and you give us the grace. Jesus, I thank you for what you've done here in this place. I, I thank you for reminding us that we might be stuck, but we don't have to stay there, that you're with us and you'll be with us every step of the way. All we have to do is take a step towards you and you'll come running. Jesus, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your power that is in the house here this morning. But Jesus, we know it doesn't stop here. We know that during this summertime season, we have a story to tell. And we know that as we tell our story that you will be lifted up and draw all men to you. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done here in the house. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Christian Life Austin, enjoy your summer. Enjoy swimming. We love you. We'll see you on Wednesday.